This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Yvonne Chen, Vice President of Marketing at Udemy for Business, an online learning and teaching marketplace. Yvonne is a very impressive marketer who has also held marketing management roles at Google and Facebook. On this episode, Ian and Yvonne talk all about how to build a culture of learning in your marketing team, how to address skills gaps in your organization, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. Across from me in studio, Yvonne, how are things? They're great. How are things over there? You know, on this side, uh, it's a little lighter. I don't get to look at our, you know, amazing uh, artwork. I see it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm thrilled to have you in studio today. This is going to be fun. A little backstory on this. We actually did a project with Founder Institute and interviewed Aaron Bali, the co-founder of Udemy, uh, about a year ago. And so, and I've been following Udemy for a long time. It's an amazing company. And one of the reasons we're so excited to talk to you today is about Udemy for Business which obviously the mission, we're all about accelerated learning. Mm-hmm. We are all about uh, accelerated education and Udemy is the best in the biz. And hearing about the growth before we were talking uh, about the business side of things is really, really exciting. So tell us first a little bit about your current role. Sure. So currently at Udemy, I've been there for about three and a half years now, and I run all of marketing for Udemy for Business. So for those of you that aren't as familiar with Udemy for Business, Udemy is the leading online learning marketplace. And a couple of years ago, we started a business side. It's the B2B SaaS arm of Udemy, where we sell directly into enterprises SMBs, mid-markets to drive learning and development forward. So running the whole marketing team spans from understanding what our brand and creative needs to look like, look and feel, how do we want enterprises to interact with Udemy, um, and how does that relate to the larger Udemy consumer brand, as well as product marketing, events marketing, demand generation, growth marketing, everything from top of the funnel to bottom of the funnel How do we work with sales teams to drive and close deals at the end of the day um, and impact business performance? And so do you see a lot of requests come from different business units? Is this like top down? Is it like a CEO initiative? I mean, I'd imagine that the vast majority of, you know, Fortune 1000 companies uh, and, and beyond want to increase learning within their organizations, drive innovation. Who are you talking to? Yeah, so we have a couple of different core audiences that we talk to. The primary audience that we work with are, you know, chief HR officers, CHIROs, um, CLOs, chief learning officers, directors of learning and development uh, at companies. And they're really looking at the larger picture across all of the teams at the organization. What do those teams need and what does the company need to stay competitive? So it's really, really important for us to get in front of those guys. Um, We also have another technical team component where 
We have IT directors, CIOs, directors of engineering, CTOs that are facing this massive pace in technological change, right? So their teams have to know Python. They have to know Apache Kafka and Spark. And if they don't know those things, they're going to be left behind. So there's a lot of technical leaders that are also leading the charge in terms of how do we upskill our our workforce better? So we talk to both of those audiences. I want to take a step back real quick with how did you get into marketing in the first place? How did I get into marketing in the first place? It's a funny question. And I think um, or it's a good question. And uh, part of it is something that I've always had a penchant towards and also something that I fell into based on where I was in my career at the time. Um, I think marketing has always been something that I've loved ever since I was young. I was always attracted to like advertisements and marketing commercials and positioning and branding. And in college, my favorite courses were marketing courses. I was a business undergrad major at UC Berkeley in their Haas undergrad program. Go Bears. Um, Go Bears. And the courses that I loved the most and the courses that I excelled in the most were in marketing. And when I started working, uh, I started at AT AT&T. I worked at Google. I worked at Facebook. All of these roles that I had early on in my career, while I was never in a formal marketing role in the beginning, I always gravitated towards marketing projects and working with marketing teams. And so what really changed things for me was when I was at Facebook, Facebook started building out its marketing organization. And that was when I made the formal leap into marketing. And the defining moment for me was previously I joined Facebook. I was on the very first ads monetization team there. We were trying to figure out how to help Facebook make money, which, you know, it's figured out how to do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's doing okay. Uh, it's doing okay. And this was at the end of 07, beginning of 08. And I was on the very first ads team. We were supporting advertisers. And we ran into this big problem where advertisers could only submit one ad at a time. So if you imagine, if you want to advertise on Facebook, you have to manually upload different creative, different copy, and upload each ad separately. And so the challenge we were running into at Facebook, not only was that a revenue problem for Facebook, but it was also a huge lift for our customers and our advertisers. So in order for us to grow that audience, we needed to develop a better product experience. Um, And so that was kind of my first foray into product marketing informally. I basically got together with an engineer. We sat down. We're like, hey, we have this problem. Sales team is telling me this. They want a bulk upload tool. Previously at Google, I had worked on a bulk upload tool. We built it out. We spec'd it. I was responsible for like the go-to-market for that. Uh, How do we train our sales and CS teams to take that and drive adoption? And we launched it. And the first day we launched it, I remember we had a million dollars in revenue coming in just on that first day. Wow. So just, you know, that was kind of my first foray into product marketing, the impact that I can make in that kind of role. And then when Facebook started building out its business marketing team, that was when I formally transitioned into a product marketing role. And that kind of started my marketing career. So when you were at Facebook and Google, did you feel like as a marketer, there were skills that you were kind of missing that you know, that you were looking at like, I really wish that I could, I could, you know, take some courses or do something like this, where you're like, ah, there's some short gaps here or or things like that. Because I think, you know, it's a, it's something that a lot of marketers I know feel like they need to be the quote unquote, like five tool marketer, um, you know, in order to be a CMO someday or something like that. And it's something that 
sometimes you're in a role where there's no way you're going to have certain skill sets. Like there's just, you're not going to get demand gen practice. You're not going to get, you know, whatever it is. Um, was that something that you kind of felt like was, uh, was a gap in your skills back then? Yeah, definitely. I think the really tricky thing about marketing is that you're this mini GM within the business, right? Every single marketing role is so different. Events marketing, the skill set it takes to write great content and drive thought leadership, the skill set it takes to be analytical and do demand generation and growth marketing, product marketing, you know, large communication skill set required there, and and then the ability to work effectively with product and engineering. And I didn't know that in the beginning. And being able to learn all those functions, I think, is difficult to do. Part of the reason why I also was really attracted to this role at Udemy was it was an opportunity for me to start to learn and do all of these different facets of marketing and really be that mini GM on the marketing side for the business. So unfortunately, at the time when I was at Google, um, there wasn't a solution like Udemy that existed where you could just go online, look at marketing topics and see all the new you know, digital marketing tools that you had to learn in order to be successful. Um, I think the advantage that young marketers have today is that you have these sites like Udemy that offer that for you automatically. And then they give you immediate access to take those courses on demand whenever you want. And then on top of that, if you are working for a great company that knows that it needs to invest in employee learning and development, something that we are very, very passionate about at Udemy, then you're even luckier. You don't have to pay for those courses out of pocket. You have that as a benefit. And that's what's going to help your career trajectory continue to move upwards. Yeah, this is that that classic adage of what happens if we train the people and they leave? And it's like, well, what happens if we if we don't and they stay? And right? they stay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, so and, and one of the things that's you know really cool about Udemy, I love this business case of 869% ROI for companies, for your customers that are using Udemy for business. I'm curious how you how you got to that number, how you see these things, because I think a lot of times leaders struggle with how do I quantify my employees getting smarter? How do I quantify these things? It's a uh, it's very difficult. And, uh, you know, we really wanted to and continue to want to help organizations solve that and answer that question. The challenge is that that question and the way to answer it differs for every organization. Right. And for that particular study, you're referring to the IDC report that we did with a couple of key customers to really understand how are you measuring learning and development and what's the ultimate impact. And there are many dimensions that fit into that number that span, you know, onboarding efficiency, cost saving efficiencies, productivity gains, whether or not you can measure that on the engineering or the sales side, um, and how that ultimately impacts revenue at the end of the day. And that's how we ultimately came to that number of 869%. But again, you know, it's not something that every organization is going to have because it really starts with, number one, or the organization and the leaders at that organization have to be committed to learning and development Agreed. and making that a priority, right, for the business. And then on the other hand, you have to have the right partner that's going to help work with you to really understand what's most important to you and how you're measuring things. We work with some customers and they're just looking at productivity gains. We work with some customers and all they're looking at is cost efficiency. Yeah. Um, And our goal is to help customers see the entire picture. You have to look at all of those things to really understand the role that learning is playing throughout your organization. And then how do you track formal learning activities and informal learning activities? And so that report basically was just the start of things. But 
it's our way of demonstrating what you can actually do when you as a company invest in the right learning partner and you together as a leadership team believe that this is one of the most important priorities for the organization. You talked a little bit about, you know, this idea of, you know, the skills gap when it comes to marketing. Are there any things that you do with your team to kind of address that? Like as you're looking at, you know, adding capacity to the folks that you're working with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting to look at the skills gap for marketing. And at the end of the day, I think it's the proliferation of marketing technologies that is creating this widening skills gap. Today, I believe there's over 6,000 marketing technologies available on the market. Wow. Back in 2010, it was just 200. And the reason why I think marketing is sort of experiencing this rapid change more than other spaces is because we have to be at the cusp of knowing who the customer is, where they're going and when to talk to them at the right time, right? So from TV to video, to online, to mobile, to Google, to Facebook, to Instagram, like there's so many platforms and technologies that you have available at your fingertips now to be able to reach those customers in different touch points and in different ways. And it's our responsibility as successful marketers to understand what those technologies are and how we can utilize them in the best way. Um, And it's not about being an expert in all 6,000 technologies, that's not possible. But it is about knowing what's out there, what's being started, and how you can potentially use those tools effectively to continue to grow your career and to create a really successful marketing team. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why we started the podcast in the first place is that it's so important to stay, you know, just keep up with the Joneses, right? It's so important for marketers to have a place that they can go, that they trust, that's going to deliver like quality, you know, from the best practitioners in the world and at the cutting edge. I mean, I think one of the cool things about Udemy is that there's a quality threshold that you can filter looking as a consumer of the product. And I think that's something that's really important with the rise of, you know, YouTube and things like this. There's a lot of garbage out there. And, you know, I I love all my fellow content creators out there. Um, <laughs> and uh, obviously they all can't be winners. Um, but there's a certain amount of minimum threshold of quality that needs to be there for folks not to be learning stuff that is wrong and or potentially just harmful or or whatever it is. How important do you think quality is to be able to establish technical proficiency? Because this has changed with like education is changing, obviously extremely fast. And what it means to be technically proficient changes. So I'm curious to like what 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 you kind of feel about this, the rise of of trying to build these skill sets. Quality is really, really important. And that's something that we take to heart at Udemy. Having a marketplace model means that we believe that consumers need to have a consumer first approach to learning, right? Typically, when you think about learning, it's top down, it's super formal, it's been created in a classroom, and maybe it's put online, heavily scripted, heavily edited, heavily produced. The challenge that has today is that because technology changes every three to six months, Deloitte actually looks at this in a really interesting way, the half-life of skills has decreased to about five years. So what what that means is that if you think of a typical career today, you're working for 50 years. That means you have to reinvent yourself every 10, like 10 times, essentially. And so because of that rapid change, you can't really rely on the 
normal pace at which content is usually developed, right? So these things, that's why YouTube's really interesting and it's great. But to your point, it's really hard to gauge for quality. Um, and so at Udemy, what we've done is we've created, you know, large learning marketplace, 100,000 courses, 42,000 experts around the world teaching this content. And our goal is to enable experts around the world to create great content and to allow consumers and users to be able to rate and review that content to signal the quality to other users as well. And that has proven to be largely successful for us. Certain people respond to different types of learning uh, dynamics, different approaches to teaching. And the beauty of the internet today and the model of Udemy is that you get experts who are gifted at teaching, who are practical real world leaders and are teaching real world skills that go beyond just what we like to call or think of as like edutainment, right? Yeah. Things that you sit there, you enjoy watching, but are you learning real world skills that are actually going to help you um, and propel you forward in your career? And that those instructors have a vested interest in being great. Like, I think that that's such a huge part of this is when you think back to the fact of like your least favorite professor from college or whatever it is, mm -hmm. the fact that there is a least favorite professor is wild. Like, I'm not saying that every bad professor should be fired. Actually, I mean, I guess I could probably say that um, they probably should all be fired, every bad professor. And there's a lot of reasons why that stuff doesn't happen. But the fact that people can self-select in and out of those courses is hugely valuable to the marketplace and value to listeners. Like it should be a great experience. And if it's not, then they're going to let you know. Exactly. And that's also one of the benefits of having a marketplace like Udemy. Instructors are incentivized to create the best content because if their content isn't addressing the needs of the learner or the market, then their reviews are going to go down. They're not going to make as much money on Udemy. And we share, you know, revenue earnings with instructors. So the content that we have is always regularly updated. It's always fresh. Instructors actually have a direct line of communication to the learner. So learners can comment. They can ask questions. There's Q&A with the instructors. Instructors can directly respond. Other students can, you know, respond to them as well. And that's what enables us to maintain a really, really fresh content collection for our enterprises is yeah. that, hey, we always have the most recent, the best and the top rated instructors on the platform that your employees are going to be able to learn from. So some of the marketing topics uh, on there for those of our listeners who haven't checked it out. So you have content and email marketing, digital marketing, marketing fundamentals, marketing tools, SEO, social media marketing, a lot of different choices within that. And a lot of the stuff that's really at the cutting edge. How do you look at, you know, when you're talking to large enterprises about this and positioning like the value of all of this, do you think that there are some objections that you get more frequently uh, than others about like, you know, why should we be investing in this? There definitely are. I would say the question has changed, though, right? So yeah. when I first started at Udemy, a lot of the way that leaders saw Udemy was more as like a perk. A benefit. Mm. They're like, hey, we want to offer this because it's great for us to be able to say when we're recruiting that we offer all these great things for your benefit package yeah, and Udemy is part of it. The amazing thing is that what we've seen over the last couple of years is that conversation has now shifted. Yes, there's like still the benefit perk conversation that Udemy fits into, but now it's really more about holy crap, stuff is changing, future of work, 
automation, AI, robotics, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality. How does my company deal with all of this? And it's less about just reskilling, but it's about a skills redeployment, right? At the end of the day, you have to redeploy new skill sets to the same people because you want to enable them to continue to do a great job at your organization. And so that conversation has shifted more from the why do we need you to me to how are you going to partner with me to actually help my company succeed into the future? And the larger topic umbrella that we often hang our hats on is what every single industry is talking about today. And that's like digital transformation, right? I'm sure you've heard that digital transformation across marketing, across engineering and product. But the CHRO, the CLO, the CIO, the CTO, they're looking at that from the entire organization's lens. And they're looking for a learning partner that's going to be able to come in, work with them strategically to drive that transformation internally. And that's not something that happens in a year. It's going to take, you know, five to 10 years to actually completely transform your organization in a way that sets it up for, you know, the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really excited about and and another reason why we wanted you on the show is one of the huge friction points for a leader is planning training. Like that leader who sits down and they're like, what the heck are we going to do this week or this month or whatever it is? It's an awful feeling. We've all been there. And then you're like, do I really know enough about this? And also I probably kind of learn it. And, you know, we'd like to have someone from the team teach it, but do they really know enough about it? One of the things that's really exciting for me is this idea that you have your whole team take a course and then you can talk about how to implement that course for your company. Is that something that that you're seeing in the marketplace being used? So we believe that the best teachers are not always found in a classroom, right? And that's inherent to our model where we have all these experts teaching amazing things. And it also directly translates to experts within the company. So um, with Udemy for Business, not only do you get access to this great collection of amazing content that's always being updated, being taught by experts around the world, but you also have the ability to create and develop your own proprietary content on our platform to deploy for whatever specific needs that you have. And to your earlier point of is that L&D learning and development person or HR manager going to be an expert in how to create Excel training? Yeah. No. SQL? No, you do not want me running a SQL training. I can pull a SQL query, but I'm not going to be, you know, telling you how to do SQL in and out. Um, that's why you have a solution like Udemy to address that part. And then you can focus your teams on the more unique, inherent things to your organization. So, for example, feedback was really, really important to Udemy as a company. We decided as a company back in 2017, maybe it was 2018, that everyone at the company needed to be well-skilled in delivering feedback effectively. That's cool. Yeah, it was great. And our learning and development team, shout out to Shelly Osborne and team, she's our head of learning and development, created this Feedback is Fuel training program. And that was time that we were able to give to our learning and development team to create great content specific to Udemy's priorities for the year and for the employees, instead of them spending all this time trying to pretend like they were, you know, Excel experts or SQL experts or how to use Salesforce, right? And creating that content. It's using a platform like Udemy to have that and then giving yourself the time and the flexibility to actually create the more impactful learning programs that are specific to your organization. 
I want to switch gears towards agile learning and growth mindset. We talk about growth mindset a ton on the show. It's one of the principles that we believe here at Mission that's super important. Any employee that, that works here has to have a growth mindset. Why do you think that these two things are, are really important for modern marketers? I think it goes back to a lot of what we've talked about. So marketing, proliferation of technologies, widening skills gap, whether or not you graduated from college or you didn't graduate from college, whether it was a year ago or 10 years ago, the ability and willingness for you to learn new knowledge and learn new skills is critical to the difference between an upwards career trajectory and a career plateau. And it's that growth mindset, right? So you have to be willing to identify your own skills gaps, reskill yourself, and take the time to learn those things, whether it's on Udemy or maybe it's a conference that you want to go to and you're getting and you're asking for sponsorship from your manager or your leadership team. That has to be there in order for you to continue to be a successful workplace professional today. And if you don't have that mindset, it might not affect you today, but it's going to catch up with you eventually. And you're going to find yourself behind on everything and anything. And that growth mindset is so important. We talk about it all the time at Udemy. We talk about it with our teams on a regular basis, but finding time and giving time to our employees is the bigger challenge. Yeah, right? no kidding. I mean, yeah, preaching the choir. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of, of giving, especially marketers, especially marketers, because you have to be creative and you have to have, you know, uninter uninterrupted block periods of time for deep work. Like you have to have that yes. um, on your teams. And if you don't have that, it's just going to be extremely hard to be creative. So do you see, do you think that there are blind spots with this stuff? How do you position like your team, for example, how do you teach them how to have a growth mindset if they, if they, uh, if they don't, or if they have some blind spots? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I mean, I think there are a couple of things that we do. So from a Udemy company standpoint, we have launched a program internally. We call it Deal. Um, it's Drop Everything and Learn. That's what it stands for. They're called Deal Hours. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah, it's great. And, you know, we were sort of like, when we look at the data of when people learn, we looked at the day and the time that drives the most learning. And on the platform, we've got 30 million learners. So we have a ton of data that we can look at. It was Wednesdays at 3 p.m. No kidding. Yeah, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. So we decided as a company, hey, let's launch a deal program. We're going to call it Drop Everything and Learn. It's going to be once a month, every Wednesday across all the time zones, three o'clock in your time zone for one hour. You're going to drop everything as a company and learn. Whether or not you're taking a course on Udemy or maybe it's a book that you're reading, but you're going to take that time and set aside that one hour. And that's something that we have been doing as a company for over a year now. And it's been really, really successful. So when we actually look at our data and we look at learning minutes across the company, there's always this huge spike Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Yeah. While you want learning, obviously, to happen continuously throughout the week. Time is is, you know, the biggest competitor, I would say, in this in this case. And so for us, creating those formal learning times and encouraging management and leadership to 
also drive their teams to really, hey, I know you're busy, but just drop everything and take the time to learn something that you want to learn is really, really important. So we do that like from a from a programmatic standpoint. Um, for me as a manager and a leader for my team, I'm always talking to people on the team and we try to set OKRs around what's that one thing that you can learn this quarter or next quarter? What's that one skill set that you feel like you don't have today that you could invest in? And we usually try to set those as like a separate OKR. Other leaders that I've spoken to, they have really creative ways that they've done things with their teams too. So I know some leaders at other companies, they've actually said that once a quarter, each team member on their team can work from home or work remotely one day. And that is the day that you can dedicate to just learning. Obviously, there's a lot of trust that needs to happen with your team there. But I also think it's a great way to empower them and to show them that like you actually really care about their ongoing learning and development. Yeah, I love that. We might need, might need to do some some deal time at Mission. I yeah. mean, one of the things that why we love, you know, podcasting, obviously we're building a network of podcasts, but is because it's it's not during, inherently not during times like that, right? It's it's on your ride home from work or to work. It's at the gym. It's while you're cooking dinner. It's things like that where you're not actively looking at a screen. It's mm-hmm. not screen dependent. And I think it's so important to have screen dependent learning blocked off because that's immersive without distraction, like without, you know, Gmail open and, you know, LinkedIn open and Twitter and all the other stuff, turn off, push notifications, whatever it is. And I wanted to address the piece that you talked about with data. You know, Udemy has been around for a number of years, but I think something that's really exciting is that, you know, it's going to be around for a long time after, after that, and that this avalanche of data avalanche has a negative connotation um <laughs> waterfall waterfalls are fun waterfall. waterfall of data is only gonna allow us to gain more insights into how people learn and that's something that like we've had traditional education for 100 years and we still don't know how people actually learn best the insight of you know people learning at, at 3 p.m in a business setting is is extremely insightful are there any other uh, insights from the data uh, that you have that are they're fun to share? Um, yeah, so we we look at our data pretty regularly. I think other interesting tidbits that we found. So to your point of learning on the go, that is a common way that people do learn. So when you look at the spikes of learning activity, it's not always during those daytime hours. We actually see a lot of people learning technical skills in the evening, right? So if you think about an engineer, maybe they're trying to learn a new programming language. They're not doing it at work. They're doing it when they get home at night. And so we see trends like that happening. We also see a lot of people learning on the go during their morning commute hours. And a lot of the Udemy courses, you're talking about an immersive learning experience. You can actually also download those ahead of time. So if you're like on the train and you don't have great internet yeah. access, you can at least still have that immersive learning experience on a small screen. And the small screen learning and the mobile learning is the best for less technical skills, right? So you're not going to be learning a new programming language where you can code side by side with the instructor on your small mobile device, but you are going to be able to learn presentation skills, how to communicate effectively, um, how to deliver feedback and receive feedback effectively, how to be a better manager, someone who's more empathetic. So those, those are the topics that we typically see gaining popularity during those types of uh, learning situations. That's brilliant. I love that. What about this idea of 
soft skills versus technical skills. Do you think that uh, that soft skills gives us uh, some type of pie in the sky, uh, fluffy, fluffy attitude that maybe maybe isn't deserved? Definitely. So if you're going to be successful, uh, if you're going to be successful at work, you have to be a well-rounded professional. So that means that you need to have the technical skills ability to look at data and interpret data, but you really have to also have soft skills. And unfortunately, soft skills, I think, gets a really bad rap because it's a fluffy name. But at the end of the day, I think it's one of the hardest skill sets to hone. Um, And when we talk about soft skills at Udemy and in the industry, it typically refers to, you know, management, leadership uh, skills, how you communicate, whether it's in person or through written communication, how you deliver and receive feedback, your EQ. And when you think about where we are today with automation and robots and AI, the uniquely human skills that we possess are those that are going to be the hardest for robots and algorithms to take over. So the need for people to really develop their softer skills is really, really important. Critical thinking, creativity, intuition, judgment, those are all the things that make all the difference in terms of how successful you are personally, professionally, and as a leader. And so I think soft skills are totally underrated. I think the road to success is paved by soft skills. And it's really, really important to invest in those. Yeah. I mean, if you go listen to like a a CEO or senior leader or something like that, a lot of people we've had on this podcast, ridiculously articulate, you know, crystal clear, you know, written and verbal communication, like that stuff is practiced. It's honed over years and years and years those building relationships and doing that sort of stuff, building your network, that is all stuff that is, you know, you can learn and you have to practice. And if you're not doing it, it it's it's hard to ascend, especially like in marketing yes. where there's so much complexity now and so much technology that's taking over. Being able to clearly articulate the technology stack and how that relates to the business side is going to be really critical. As you said, like, you know, if marketers are going to be the next CEOs, uh, you absolutely have to have those uh, have to. the mix of, of hard and soft skills. Are there any type of incentives that you see companies use to, uh, I don't want to say like gamify necessarily, but to help folks kind of like down the path to like shepherd them down the path to, uh, to leveraging Udemy for business? We work with, um, so we have an amazing customer success team and they're partnering with companies that we work with today on unique learning programs and strategies, right, that they can do to drive adoption. And that's probably the hardest thing, again, because we talked about time, right? No one has has the time. It's hard to invest the time, but we want to help people make the time. It can be from top-down, more rules-based initiatives like Uh, I want everyone on my team um, at this organization to have a learning objective as part of their quarterly or yearly goals, right? So some of those things are more top down, a little bit more rigid. Um, Other things that we try to do with companies is really thinking about what are ways that you can create learning programs to really build a culture of learning. That's like a big topic in the learning space is how do you build that inherent culture of learning? And um, some of our uh, companies that we work with today, they host learning fairs. So once a quarter, they have a learning fair where they bring all of the learning tools and vendors that they may offer to employees and they host this big fair. They have like delicious food and drink and it's you know time for the employees to explore and see like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that my company offered 
you to me. And that That's was actually really one of the um, pieces of feedback we got. They said, hey, we had this learning affair. I can't say what company it was, but we had this you know, huge learning fair and all these employees came up to the Udemy desk and were like, oh my God, I use Udemy on a regular basis myself. Now I get it from you guys yeah. as a company. And it's like, I had no idea. So those types of things, um, something that we do at Udemy too, is we do other types of learning fairs where we'll do like a health and wellness day. And we'll actually bring in some of our instructors to lead like yoga sessions, meditation, stress, mindfulness uh, sessions with employees. And then we actually did like a global learning fair where we had employees at the company and other instructors come teach us about other cultures. So there are fun ways, I think, that you can invest in learning. Doesn't always have to require a ton of money. Actually, I remember the Global Learning Fair. I took this like Indian cooking class with Indian spices and it was taught by two, you know, employees at the company. Oh, that's cool. So it doesn't always have to cost a ton of money. It's really about investing the time and being willing to invest the time into those types of activities. Yeah, and it's a forcing function for leaders to just like give their employees time to do that stuff exactly i think that's the hard part otherwise we'll just keep working right like we'll and keep answering emails exactly and we also have to set an example right so a lot of our employees are like what's the ceo learning i yeah. want to know what courses yeah, that's fun. you know he's taking or what are you learning and they're always curious to see that as well so i think it's really important for us as leaders to set a good example as well and we have to continue investing in our own learning and development like if I stop now, there's no way I'm going to be an effective marketing leader in the next year or two. What courses are you taking? Um, so I have a SQL course that I've been taking. Ooh, um, that's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And it's it's actually hard for me to continue to make advanced progress. But, you know, learning how to how to pull just like a basic SQL query, I think is important. So I have that. Um, we have some great courses on like how to influence people, how to motivate people better. And so those are some of the courses that I'm taking as well as a leader to help me continue to develop in those areas. What do you wish that you had known earlier in your marketing career? What do I wish I had known? Um, I think when when you're growing up, and when you're in college, you have a very limited understanding of what marketing actually is yeah. in the real world. Nobody tells you that there's a function called demand generation that's no. responsible for generating leads. Nobody talks to you really about a marketing funnel. I learned the basics like the four P's, you know, price, product, all those things, placement. And those are good foundational aspects, but the actual tactical roles that get the job done no one talked to me about i know it's funny to look at it like that because it's like why don't we just look at people's job titles i feel like you could learn more about marketing from just studying people's job titles than than uh, the actual marketing yeah and, book, and right? talking to them right so yeah. like early on in my career i did a bunch of informational interviewing you know where i yeah. just reached out to people i was like hey what you're doing sounds really interesting can you just tell me what you do yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis and then, you know, once you learn all the titles, the again, the challenge with marketing is marketing can naturally be very siloed. Events marketing focuses on running great events. Demand generation focuses on leads. Product marketing fo focuses on product strategy and taking, you know, products to the market successfully. And you can end up with a bunch of different siloed groups. And if you don't understand all the different roles and how they could better work together, and then the larger picture you're trying to do, the larger story you're trying to tell the customers, you can end up in a lot of trouble, I think. Uh, so 
I would have loved to know not only what are all the different roles that typically exist within an organization in marketing, what do they do, but also how do they work together? It's really, really difficult to get all those teams to work together in a cohesive way. And I think that's something that I'm not perfect at as a marketing leader. And uh, I think most marketing teams probably are not perfect at it, but it's striving to get to that point, right, where we all operate as, as one, one function, one team. What's the hardest part about marketing at Udemy for Business? Hardest thing about marketing at Udemy for Business? I think um, a challenge for where we are today as a company, and I think a lot of companies going through rapid growth and at our stage go through similar challenges, is marketing based on who we were before and what made us successful before and who we are today and then who we want to be in the future. And it's thinking about how do we tell that story, not only across all the different channels that we have available to us on the business side, but also the channels that we have available to us on the consumer side. And how do they fit together? I think that's a challenge that we are looking at tackling right now. And we have a huge opportunity there, I think, as a company. And that's something that I'm I'm very focused on. What are you most excited about for the future marketing? Most excited about, I think that marketers are the future CEOs. So we talked a lot about marketers being mini GMs. I truly believe that the amount, the amount of variation between all of the marketing functions and the skill sets required is tremendous. And I think if you're an effective marketing leader, you learn most of the functions. You might not do all of them yourself at one point in time, but you learn all of them, what's important, how to drive success, how to motivate people in those functions. And you're a mini GM. And I think it sets you up to be a great CEO because you have to be able to switch between different functions really, really quickly. You have to be able to balance the art of marketing, like the look and feel, the brand, the emotional you know, resonance that you have with your target audience, as well as the analytics part. If I'm running marketing campaigns and I can't measure how those campaigns are performing, a lot of brand managers manage P&Ls for the business. Like that skill set is hugely important and complementary to the other side of marketing, right? The art side. So that's why I think marketers are very much future CEOs. And I think people, again, have a very narrow understanding of what marketing is and what marketers do. And I think that we are at a time where the rise in marketing leaders and the ability for marketing leaders to become company leaders and have that strategic point of view is now. Um, And so that's something that I'm very passionate about. I love that. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. Our good (laughs) friends at Pardot, who we love, you can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about how amazing they are. Fast and easy questions, are you ready? Okay, ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? I'm using a home design app. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, a, it, it's a game where, I'm really into home design and home decor, so it's a game where it's kind of like Bejeweled. Mm-hmm. Is that the name of the game? kind of like bejeweled but once you win a level you get points and those points you can use towards renovating a room or part of a room in the game so right now i'm remodeling a kitchen favorite vacation spot hawaii 
just came back from the Big Island last week and love Hawaii. What ad campaign have you seen recently that you're most envious of? So I think a brand that did a really, really great job of defining like a new category and extending themselves beyond where they were was Method, the cleaning product. Mm. And so typically, you know, you see Method or Method plays in this category of just your, your cleaning product. You have detergent or hand hand washed detergent to wash your hands. You have liquid detergent to wash mm-hmm. your dishes. Um, and what they did is they made their brand about more than just a practical, functional product, and they developed it into a more beautiful, experiential product. So their packaging and their design of their product is very was at the time, you know, industry leading and very, very different from other cleaning products alongside them. The way that they chose to position themselves in terms of on-premise in stores, um, how they displayed their product was also a huge differentiator for them. And I think having a bold approach to how you can penetrate a market, an existing market that's dominated by other players is a really difficult thing to do, but it can have really, really huge dividends and payoffs. And I think that they did an amazing job at that. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Yes. So, um, favorite book right now that I'm reading. It's called The Big Fish. It's a brand book about how challenger brands can enter markets, established markets, essentially. Um, And it was a book recommended to me by other marketing leaders, and I love it. It has just amazing frameworks for how to think about building brand and creative and just strategy for a business overall, like how to build a business and the role that marketing plays in that. Amazing case studies, great examples. And it's reading books like that and taking those kinds of courses on Udemy that just get my brain juices flowing. And it gives me a lot of really great ideas for what I want to do. What about favorite show that you're watching? Favorite show? I'm watching um, Billions. Yeah. It's on Showtime. Love the political battle between the district attorney and uh, hedge fund billionaire turned antagonistic from anti- antagonistic relationship to um, a buddy relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoy that show. What question do you never get asked that you wish you got asked? What brings you the most joy in life? What brings you the most joy in life? My husband and my dog. <laughs> I love probably that. brings me the most joy in my life. It's adorable. Last question. What is your best advice for a first-time VP marketing? Let go of any potential ego that you might have and come from a place of growth, growth mindset, learning. Um, and really get to know the people on your team, whether or not you're inheriting a team or um, if you're building a team, get to know what all the different functions are on a marketing team, learn from other marketing leaders. I always like to gather a lot of information from different sources. So from people, from reading, from blogs, from podcasts, your podcast, gather information, and then you have to have your own unique stamp as a leader. And so it's not about following what other people are doing, but it's about utilizing the information that you have available and then making the best decision based on your situation, who you are and what you want to do. 
And it's that, I think, authentic piece of leadership that I think a lot of a lot of us can struggle with. You know, we always sort of see these amazing leaders and we aim to emulate them and be like them. And it's really about finding your own unique leadership style in every context and every organization and every role is different. So you have to do a good job of gathering good information and then do your best um, to make the best decision. I love it. Yvonne, this has been great. Thanks so much for for hanging out. Any any final things? Anything to plug? Um, we are hiring at Udemy and Ooh. at Udemy for Business. So uh, if you guys want to come and change the future of work and make a difference in people's lives, definitely hit me up. Uh, we're hiring for many different marketing roles across the company, as well as sales roles, customer success roles. Um, we're growing like crazy. So um do I give my contact information? Oh uh, yeah, you can. I mean, yeah, people. Uh, we can link. Message me on well. LinkedIn and just tell me that you listen to this podcast and uh, look at our job site. Go to udemy.com/careers. Look up. Uh, look at the jobs that we're currently hiring for, and feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn and just let me know that you've listened to this podcast and that you have a role that you're interested in. Ten marketing positions open right now. There you go. Pretty good. We'll link them up uh, in the marketing trends newsletter as well. Thanks so much for hanging out. It's been awesome. It was really fun. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.